Well, hey, everybody. Hey, I'm so pumped to be here today. This is really fun. And uh, no matter where you're at, if you're at one of the campuses right now or you're watching online, I hope you know that this place, Mountain, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. And that means that there's a place for you here. Uh, and this Christmas season, let's make sure that that's, that's true for a whole bunch of people. Uh, let's be extra welcoming and, and let's be extra loving. Be as loving as we can. There's going to be a lot of Christmas services in the next week. There's uh, Christmas services happening at all the campuses and online. And I hope you get to one of those. And I hope you use this to invite some people. Because, you know, an invitation to a Christmas service, it really can change someone's life. It can. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen in just a few weeks. Uh, in just a few weeks, as we get into the new year, uh, we've been talking in this community, this church, about how uh, we want to make a difference in the lives of people who are struggling with mental health. And, and if we're all honest, really, that struggle, we all have moments where that struggle touches our lives on some level. Uh, so before we get started on the message today, I just want to ask you uh, right now, I want you to see this quick video about what's coming up in the new year. One in five, one in five. One in five people struggle with life and mental health challenges. That means a bunch of your friends and family, maybe you, are struggling right now. Anxiety and depression was bad before 2020, but it's up 25% since then. The share of high school students who say they feel persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness rose from 26% to 44%. It's the highest level of sadness ever recorded. Like half our kids feel hopeless. So many are struggling, and Jesus says that's just not how we're meant to live. Something has to change. We have to do something. Which is why we're beginning the year 2023 looking at the weeds in our garden. It's an honest look at mental health. We'll be talking about suicide and self-harm, stress and anxiety, low self-esteem and shame, worry and depression, because that's what so many of us are dealing with. We just want to say it's okay to not be okay all the time, and there's hope, and we're going to turn to Jesus and his word for the help and the hope that we need. Weeds in My Garden starts early January, and I want to really encourage you to bring someone, because everybody knows someone or is someone who could use some help and some hope. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, right now, let's get our phones out, and, and we're going to do this together. So no matter where you're at, if you're uh, at one of the campuses or if you're home, let's, let's get your phone out. And uh, there's a QR code on the screen and a phone number on there right now. Uh, you can scan that code or you can send a text to that phone number, and uh, it'll give you a link to a website. And let's all go there and take this quick survey. This is just going to take a second. I'm giving you permission to play with your phones for a couple minutes, okay? Uh, while we're together, let's fill out the survey. I'm going to do it too right now, okay? This will just take a moment. Let's see. Yeah, hey, that's nice having that music there. That's perfect. Thanks, man. Okay. 
Hey, did anybody have to think about that question, the age question? Anybody doing math in their head right now? I had to a little bit. Okay, hey, thanks, man. Thanks, that's great. Hey, that was really important. Thanks for doing that today. And uh, that's a good use of our time right now. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been singing some of our favorite Christmas carols, and we've been lighting Advent candles with anticipation. And we've been looking at the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. And as we've been looking at the most significant event that's ever happened, we've been pulling back the curtain, trying to get a behind-the-scenes look at what was going on in the Christmas story. And, you know, it's so much fun to, to get a behind-the-scenes look at anything. We love it, right? Like, we love seeing how things are made, where ideas come from. A few months ago, my family went up to New England, and we drove around to see the fall colors, and it was so much fun. And there was this one day we were driving on a road in Vermont, just kind of exploring. We had no plan for the day, and we saw this sign that said, Maple Grove Farm Syrup. And then it said they had tours, and so we just like pulled right in. And, uh, and it was so much fun. There was a museum. My kids were excited because it said there was a gift shop there. So uh, we went in, and we took the tour, and it was really interesting to see how maple syrup is made on a large scale. And we learned about the refining process all the way from the tree to the pancake. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, and, and then they had a maple syrup tasting, so with the different grades of syrup. And I tell you what, that was pretty sweet. Get it? Yeah, sweet. It was a maple syrup joke. Yeah. So, hey, we, we learned a lot, and we had a lot of fun at the maple syrup place. And today, uh, we're going to learn, and we're going to have some fun together as we take a behind-the-scenes look at the angels in the Christmas story. The Christmas story is filled with appearances of angels. I think about the songs that we sing this time of year. You know, hark the herald angels sing. Angels we have heard on high. Angels from the realms of glory, just to name a few. So angels are a big part of this story. And we've heard in the last few weeks about how God was working behind the scenes through imperfect people in Jesus' family tree, working behind the scenes through prophets that spoke about a salvation that would come someday in the most unexpected way, and behind the scenes through the way that God brought light and life to the world, even at creation, and that light still shines on us today. But before we get into the Christmas story, I did hear about this time that God was talking with the angels, and uh, this was actually right around the time of creation. And, and so God and the angels were talking, and God had just finished creating like an alternating period of light and darkness. And one of the angels said, God, that's so cool. What are you going to do next? And God just took a deep breath and goes, I think I'll call it a day. I like that one, Okay. Hey, it's not just the Christmas story that's full of angel appearances. It happens repeatedly all throughout Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. One author describes the Bible this way as a hive of angelic activity. You know, a lot of people have a sense that there's a spiritual world that's all around us all the time. But, but it's, it's just on the other side of the veil, just on the other side of a curtain. Like, we just can't quite see it. And I read this week that about 75% of people in our culture believe in angels. And, and then almost a third of people would say that there's been some event in their experience that they would attribute to angelic activity. One of the most compelling reasons to believe in angels 
is because they're all over the place in the Bible. There's over 200 references to angels in this book. And we believe that these words, these holy words are true. This isn't just an inspiring word. This is the inspired word of God. And so when it speaks, I want to listen. And the message of this book is this. That God loves the world that he created. And God loves you. God loves you. And I hope you see that today. I hope you see that while we talk about the angels in the Christmas story. So a paraphrase of what Scott McKnight says about angels is going to be kind of a guiding thought for us today. And he says this. Angels are sent to express God's love. They are with us and for us, and they lead us to the redemption that comes through Jesus. I bet if you ask most people, where could you find angels in the Bible? Uh, Most people would point right away to the Christmas angels, right? The ones that appeared to the shepherds on that night when Jesus was born, and that's found in Luke chapter 2. So we're going to read that right now. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them alone and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Hey, that moment changed everything. That moment when God came to earth, when Jesus took on flesh, and I'm sure it was an amazing sight for those shepherds. I mean, talk about life changing, right? I wonder if those shepherds ever thought that they would see an angel in person. You know what? God wanted to get through to those shepherds, and so he sent angels Some of us here today, we haven't thought much about angels. Uh, Maybe we believe in angels, but maybe we think that just happened back in Bible times. Like, does that really happen today still? And then on the other hand, there's some of us who think we see angels everywhere. So this is probably a good moment right now to just pause and, and consider what it is those shepherds really experienced. Like, what did they see that night? 
Maybe you have an image in your mind of what an angel looks like. For a lot of us, it's inspired by classical art. You know, some person with wings, maybe in a white robe, a halo around their head, peaceful, uh, maybe singing, maybe carrying a harp. Does your mental image of an angel look like this? It's the Sistine Chapel. Or, or is this what an angel looks like? Or, or maybe this one. This one might be familiar to a lot of us. It's so familiar. There it is, yeah. So maybe that one looks familiar to you. Or, or maybe this one. This is the Abingdon Campus angel right here. Okay, so this hangs out at the Abingdon Campus with us. And the team there, we have a lot of fun kind of surprising each other with this statue. It, gets, it pops up in offices, all sorts of unexpected places. Sometimes we try to scare each other with this statue. Uh, so maybe you think of something that, that looks like this. I don't know. And pop culture has indoctrinated us with a lot of stuff about angels, right? Like the classic line we hear at Christmas... From that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, Every Time a Bell Rings. Yeah, I knew you would know it. Good job. You know that's not in the Bible, right? Okay? Just making sure you know that. Okay, here's what the Bible says about angels. It says that they are spirit beings, that they're often present, but they're not seen, that they're, they're behind the scenes. Uh, Hebrews 2.7 tells us that they're created a little higher than man. Like, like maybe they're just a little more sophisticated. Uh, they're described in Isaiah 6 as, as having six wings. In the book of Daniel, he describes a vision of an angel, and it says this, I looked up, and there before me was a man uh, dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz from around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Uh, and then in Ezekiel, some of the angels are described as having four heads and some as wheels that intersect and are covered in eyes. So uh, maybe some of those descriptions look something like this. And then I saw this meme a while back that made me laugh. I thought this was really good. Check this one out. <laughs> this is be not afraid down there. I'm afraid. Okay. But the scripture writers are trying to describe these heavenly beings. And I just get this sense when they're describing that, that words just fall short, you know? Like they just can't quite describe what they see. And when we see angels in scripture, they're not carrying harps and floating on clouds. Oh, they're wielding swords. And they're riding on God's war chariots of fire. And sometimes they're described as just that, as fire. But, you know, there are those places in Scripture where we see angels that appear as human. And they are dressed in those white robes. Angels are created beings. And some theologians think that angels were created on that first day of creation when it says God created the heavens and the earth. They're part of that heavenly realm. Hey, you know, when this, when this statue shows up in my office, sometimes it startles me. <laughs> but those shepherds that night, they weren't startled. They were terrified. They were terrified. It doesn't say what form those angels appeared in that night. 
But it says the shepherds were scared, and the angels instructed them to not be afraid. So I have a hard time uh, picturing that it was a cute and cuddly, precious moments angel that appeared to him. That multitude of angels was an army, but somehow this army wasn't threatening, but it was leading in the celebration of the most significant thing that had ever happened. God came to earth. He came to this side of the curtain. And then that veil, oh, that veil was pushed aside. That curtain was pushed away. And the worship that happens in heaven, in the throne room of heaven, was brought to earth. God is love. Angels are sent to express God's love by being with us and for us and pointing us towards the redemption that comes through Jesus. And that's what they were doing that night with those shepherds. Hey, I remember when I was a kid, I got to go to this uh, big Christian conference with my dad and a bunch of guys from our church. And it was in the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. And I looked up this week how many seats were in that place because uh, it was a lot. It was 61,000 people could fit in there. And, and I don't know if this conference we were at was, uh, was sold out, but I remember the place being full. And then I also remember hearing all those thousands and thousands of people singing these words at the top of their lungs. I see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted, and the train of his robe fills the temple with glory. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Just the volume of those thousands of voices, you could feel it. And there was something happening in that dome that day. Like that veil between heaven and earth, it was just like pulled aside just a little bit. And we got a glimpse. Now imagine what it would be like when a whole army of angels appears out of nowhere. And they're there to declare the salvation that would come to the earth through the birth of God's son. And in that moment, that veil wasn't just pulled aside. Oh, it was thrown wide open and the heavenly worship filled the earth. Heaven and earth met that night. Going back Further behind the scenes of the Christmas story, an angel appeared to Mary and to Joseph separately. But Mary, before she even knew she was pregnant, an angel named Gabriel appeared to her. And this is what it says. God sent the, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with your God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word 
to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary received a revelation from that angel that day. Hey, you know that song that we sometimes hear at Christmas time? It's called Mary, Did You Know? You ever heard that song? Yeah. It's a pretty song, and over and over again in different ways, it says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters, that he'll, he'll calm the storms, that he'll give sight to the blind, that, that her son is, is really God with flesh on. And yeah, she knew. She knew. She knew because that angel that appeared to her gave her that divine information that she didn't have. She knew that her son Jesus would be the Messiah. She was the first one to know that. Uh, last week we heard about the prophecies about the Messiah in the book of Isaiah. Every Jewish person would have known those scriptures and they would have put their hope in those scriptures. They would have put their hope in the eventual coming of the Savior. Yeah, Mary knew. And even if she was scared or even if she felt unworthy, worthy, her experience with Gabriel was this, that God is love and angels were expressing God's love to her. And that angel was with her and for her and that angel was leading her to redemption that would come through Jesus, her son. Now, now Joseph was... Mary's fiance. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. Mary comes to him one day and says, I'm pregnant. And I'm sure immediately he starts thinking, what did I get myself into here? I, I mean, he knew Mary's character. At least he thought he knew her character. I mean, they had never been together. Mary must have told Joseph about the angel visit, but, but this is some pretty hard news to believe. So Joseph starts thinking that he could quietly end things with Mary. And that's when Joseph gets an angel visit of his own. He gets a message of confirmation from the Lord. And an angel speaks to him in a dream. It says this. After he had considered this, that's leaving Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home to be his wife. Uh, that angel in his dream helps Joseph see that Mary's pregnancy wasn't a result of her, her unfaithfulness to her fiancé, but it was a result of her faithfulness to God. And that message of confirmation to Joseph from the angel, it was also a message of calling, calling Joseph to deeper trust, deeper trust in God, deeper trust for Mary, and it was a message of comfort. It was a reminder to him that God is love, and again we see that God sends angels to express his love, to be with us and for us, pointing us towards redemption that comes in Jesus. And all throughout scripture, we see just that. God wanted to get through to those shepherds and Joseph and Mary, so he sent angels. And I know this, God wants to get through to you. God wants to get through to you. And he just may use angels to do it. You know, in cartoons and movies and, and all sorts of things, we have this image that there could be a, a little angel 
perched on one shoulder, right? And a little demon on the other. Yeah, it might look something like this. I don't know. But, you know, they're, they're constantly fighting to have influence over every decision that a person makes. And I do want to say this right now. That there is an unseen spiritual world and demons and evil spirits are real. Scripture tells us that Satan himself is a fallen angel. And there is a spiritual battle that's happening all around us all the time. And I don't know if there's like a battle happening sitting on my shoulders right now, but I do know this, that there's a spiritual battle that's happening between my shoulders every day. And I'm certain that's happening in your life too. I think most of us have lots of questions about angels. And honestly, today, I've got more questions than I do answers. Like, like we wonder, if I'm close to God, will I see an angel? Or, or maybe, uh, do they still show up the same way today that they did in the Bible? Or, or if I, have I ever seen an angel before and not known it? Maybe. Maybe. Hebrews 13.2 says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. It, it makes me think of a story uh, that my wife's childhood friend, Tara Beth Leach, who's a pastor in Los Angeles, the city of angels, she talks about this experience that she had. She says, several years ago now, I was praying to the Lord early one morning, just asking for a sense of confirmation of his hand upon my life. And as I would begin training to be a Salvation Army officer in a few months, I, I headed off to work. It was around 6.30 a.m. as I parked the car to walk to the train station. And at that time in the morning, there were never many people around. But as I got out of the car, there was an elderly gentleman walking toward me. And something made me say, this is an angel. The man came up to me and talked to me as I walked to the train. And he even told me that I worked at a bank, which was true. And we got near the entrance to the train station. He wished me well for the day. And as I turned to say goodbye, suddenly he was gone. Whether others would agree it was an angel, I don't know. But for me, it was and a sign of blessing, of God's confirmation, of his walking with me in my life's journey. An elderly gentleman in a train station with a message, a blessing from God. Now, let's take a couple minutes here real quick to explore the purpose of these behind-the-scenes beings and even how today they're expressing God's love to us by being with us and for us and pointing us to Jesus. Now, the word angel comes from the Greek word angelos. It means messenger. God created the heavens and the earth, and they're, they're not two separate places. Maybe a better way to think about that is two realities or, or dimensions. Uh, and angels bring God's presence to this side of the curtain. And when God has a message for his people, he often uses angels. Angels are messengers. Uh, maybe you could think of angels as an ambassador, like speaking on behalf of God, on behalf of the throne with the authority of God. A few years ago, Bob Goff came here to Mountain. And if you were around here then, you probably remember it. He's an author, a lawyer, a professor. He does amazing humanitarian work. And on top of, on top of all that, he's probably the most joyful person you will ever meet, okay? But because of his uh, humanitarian work in Uganda, 
the, the country of Uganda, he was made the honorary Ugandan ambassador to the United States. And he talks about this, how at his house he flies the Ugandan flag. So his house in California is Uganda because where the ambassador lives and the flag flies, that is Uganda. So when angels bring a message from heaven, oh, they bring heaven to earth. They bring the presence of God with them. Angels are ministering spirits. They're messengers, but they're also ministering spirits. And that means this, that they are with us. They're with us in our moments of need. They're there to comfort us when we're brokenhearted. When Gabriel visited Mary and Joseph, he appeared as a messenger, and he had a revelation for them. But he also brought comfort to them. For Mary, it was comfort that even though she was pregnant and not yet married, that God was going to do the most amazing thing through her. And for Joseph, it was this, that he could hold his head high, knowing that Mary was chosen by God. Hebrews 1.14 shows us this attention that we have from angels. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's anyone who follows Jesus. Anyone who follows Christ. And another way to say that is that angels are here to help us. And now sometimes we might call these ministering spirits guardian angels. You know, angels that are there to look out for us, to keep us safe, to provide for us. And we see angels protecting and providing in scripture all over the place. I mean, angels delivered food to Elijah in the desert. An angel protected Paul and his shipmates when they were shipwrecked in the book of Acts. And now having a guardian angel, it's, it's one of the most common beliefs in our culture. You know, the idea that God would, would be protecting us by sending an angel to us. That's consistent with what we see about God's love throughout Scripture. You know, I'm not sure that we each have a guardian angel assigned to us. I don't know. Maybe we do. I don't know. But I do know this, that God sends angels to help us and to protect us. There's a great story about the missionary John Patton. He was a missionary in the South Pacific. Hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons and killing them. John and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. And when daylight came, they were amazed to see unaccountably that the attackers had left. And they thanked God for delivering them. And then a year later, the chief of that tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And remembering what happened, John asked the chief, what had kept them from burning down their house and killing them that night? And the chief, he responded in surprise and he said, well, where did you get all those men that night? And John responded, we had no men. It was just my wife and I. Oh, and the chief argued back, no, we saw hundreds of men circling your house with swords drawn. And we were scared, too scared to attack. And John Patton realized in that moment that God had sent angels to guard them, to protect them. And the chief agreed there was no other explanation. And then angels are worshipers. Angels are worshipers. They're ministering spirits 
and messengers and their worshipers. I've heard this said before that any time that worship is happening on earth, the angels are right there and they're present. It's almost like they're addicted to worshiping God. It's what they were made for. And actually, this is something that you and I have in common with angels. I mean, we were made to worship God. That's what we were made to do. And if that's true, then that means this, that wherever you are today, if you're at one of the campuses or at home, if you've been lifting your heart and hopefully lifting your voice to God in worship, then there are angels all around you. And that's why I had that sense when I was a kid that there was something else going on at that conference in that dome that night because there were angels worshiping God with us. There was a time when John, one of Jesus' followers, had this revelation. It's the book of Revelation in that he describes what worship looks like in the throne room of heaven. It says, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Doesn't that sound a lot like those angels that appeared to the shepherds? Like when they said this, when they said, glory to God in the highest heaven. So when angels are messengers, they're expressing God's love to us. And then when angels are ministering spirits, they're with us and for us. And then when angels are worshipers, they're leading us to Jesus and the redemption and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. I bet in the next couple days, you're gonna see a lot of images of angels. Uh, maybe it'll be on a card that you get in the mail, or maybe it's on top of your Christmas tree, or maybe in a Christmas movie. But when you see one of those images of an angel, let it remind you how God used angels to reveal his plan his love story for the world. You, you know, when we die, we don't become angels. We see that our bodies actually look like Jesus. We don't look like angels. We look like the Savior, like Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this, just as we have been born in the image of the earthly man, that's Adam, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. That's Jesus. We share the resurrection body with Jesus and we can have those spiritual resurrection bodies because of a story that's clearly told concisely in a pretty famous verse in the Bible. Now, we're gonna receive communion right now. And, and as we gather around the communion table together, will you hold the elements, the body and the blood of Jesus? And I want you to remember this. Jesus loves you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is for you. And Jesus gives you redemption. Here's that verse we're talking about. I hope you know this one. It says this, for God so loved the world. We saw that at Bethlehem when Jesus was born, when Christ came to earth that he gave his only begotten son. That's Calvary, that's the cross. Jesus took your sins to the grave, that whoever believes in him, that's our part in the story, 
shall not perish. That's the promise. That's salvation. But have eternal life. Oh, that's forever. Forever with God. Worshiping alongside the angels on the other side of that curtain. On the other side of the veil. Oh, I can't wait for that day. I'm going to pray. And then we'll have a few moments of quiet to receive the body and the blood of Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh God, your love for us is so evident. We've seen it in the Christmas story. We see it in the way that you have ministered to us through angels, through this community, this body of Christ that we get to be a part of. And we look forward to being with you and worshiping you with the angels on the other side of the veil. We pray in Jesus' name.